Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Um, I'm excited to preach today. I have a very simple message, and it's a lot of reading a lot of scriptures, a lot of slides, and so I hope you can just bear with me. It's actually a two-part message, and I've never done one of these before, but it's a two-part message that I believe is going to be really, really significant if we can just grab the idea, even just the heart of this message. And simply the two-part message is all about leading like Jesus. And I could I could talk forever, forever on how Jesus led and what he did and I just want to limit it because I think sometimes it's good to put a magnifying glass. Don't you think that's good? You put a magnifying glass and you get to see some of the things that Jesus did. And I think it's so important that we lean in over the next two weeks and learn to lead like Jesus. And it's a sermon on servant leadership. So I believe Jesus is the greatest example set before us. The way that he lived, the way that he spoke, the legacy that he left for us. And to understand how to lead like Jesus, we actually have to look back at how Jesus led. And I believe that how we learn that is simply by knowing him more. And Paul talks about in his book to Philippi, he says this, chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know his power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I just pray simply that over the next two weeks, it would help to clarify, enable, and empower us to lead like Jesus. And just like Paul wrote, we haven't arrived yet. Right? Aren't you grateful the pressure is off for all of us? We have not arrived yet. Even one of the greatest heroes of faith didn't arrive yet, but he said, I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on to take hold of what, what Christ did for me. And I pray that in this small sermon that we have new opportunities to lead people in understanding what it is to lead like Jesus. So are you ready for the word? That was just my intro. I'm ready to get in this. Matthew 20, verse 24 says this, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, everyone say great. great. Everyone say great. great. Among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I also want to read Matthew 23, verse 11 and 12. It says this, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I want to take the next couple of minutes together with all of you and talk about the power of servant leadership. 
The title of my message today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, is The Greatest Among You. The Greatest Among You. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, whether this is a reminder today, whether we were at the first service and we already heard this message, or whether today we're enlightened with the truth, I pray God will be forever changed. Let us sink into our hearts. Lord, we know that your word is alive and active, and I pray that we will experience that life today. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. The greatest among us. This is such a backwards way of thinking, and Jesus often did this throughout Scripture. He loved to turn things around, make it go upside down, however we can make it seem different. He's going to come in and show us the true way. And he works in backwards ways so often. Jesus often taught that to live is to die. Super upside down. To That the last shall be first. That to lose is to gain. And so when he says this statement that the greatest among you must be your servant, such a shocking thing for him to say. And Honestly, it's very humbling. It's easy to hear, but it's hard to live out. Wouldn't you agree? Easy to hear, hard to live out. My first day on the job as a youth pastor 12 years ago, I just got back from college, and uh, we kind of did this thing. I don't, not a lot of churches do this, but for some reason, some churches kind of do this big ceremony when it's like passing off the ministry to the next person, especially when it's done well. And this was that ceremony. I remember it was a Wednesday night. I was 20 years old, and we show up, and all my friends and my family are there, and a bunch of the people in the ministry were there. Even Manny George was there, I remember. And we sat in this place, and they had, like, this torch on the stage, and they lit it up from the last pastor who had been there for 10 years. Like, someone who's done something for a decade is worth celebrating, right? I mean, that's an absolute accomplishment, And they celebrated this guy, and then all of a sudden, they like, he passes the torch over and lights my torch. It was like this awkward, like, survivor ceremony or something. Like, who knows what was happening at our church at this point. But I remember that feeling. Here I am, I've been given this mantle, the authority, the ability to step out and lead this great ministry. I had so much vision, it was coming out of my mind. I just believed that God had called me for such a time as this. And it was the next week on Monday. I had my first office day for my unpaid staff position as a youth pastor. Hello. And I walk in and I'm all excited, expecting for what God is going to do. And as I walk into the office and get all situated, I go to meet with my dad, who was my boss and my pastor and my father. Awkward, you know what I'm saying? And I'm going to begin to do the assimilation process to become a staff member. And he says, the first thing I want to do is I want to take you up to the fifth floor. Now, we have this amazing old building. They still have it today. That's downtown in the center of this city. And you can pretty much from the roof or from the fifth floor see the whole city. And so as we're going up the stairs, I'm thinking this is going to be like our Mufasa and Simba moment. You know what I mean? Like he's going to bring me up and show me the whole valley and go, son, everywhere the light touches is land that God has. You know what I mean? Like that's what I thought was going to happen. But we passed the fifth floor and kept going up to the attic. And we walked into this absolutely terrifying attic where bats lived. Uh, We walked through, and my dad takes me over to this thing called the air handler. Come on, how many of you love the air handler? And he shows me all of these air filters sitting on the ground. He goes, 
One of the first things I want you to oversee as the youth pastor of our church is replacing the air filters every three months, right? Put it in your calendar. Don't miss it. I'm like, wait, hold up, hold up. I thought I was coming here to like, you know, like I'm going to be the youth pastor. Like I'm going to do my thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead kids. And he's like, this is the first thing you do. And then he brought me all the way downstairs, five stories down, and he brings me into this place we called the dungeon because there was no windows. We go into the dungeon, and he shows me the weed killer. He goes, here, son, make sure you go out every week and spray this on the sidewalk so that the, so that the weeds don't grow in. Right? I mean, the youth pastor kind of does everything in a small church. You know what I'm saying? But I remember that moment. It was the most simple outworking of what it looks like to be a servant leader. He showed me in simple ways that I wasn't above those things. I wasn't too good for them because of my title. And that I needed to carry that mindset in every part of my leadership. I will never forget that. Every opportunity that I have, I think back to those simple moments of I'm here just to serve. I'm here just to to submit. And I'm here to humbly love people. See, in the world, the further up the chain that you go in leadership... The more honor, the more title, money, and pride that you get. Wouldn't you agree? But in the kingdom of God, the further down the chain you go, if you will, the more you serve, serve, serve. It's the more you give and the more honor you give. The more titles you give away. And you have to cling on to humility. It's upside down in the best way possible. Think about it. The God of all creation came to serve, seek, and save the lost. Are you with me, church? Come on, we got to lead like Jesus. We got to learn from his ways, and we have to lead like he leads. And before I explain this a little bit more, I think it's very important that I make this statement. Contrary to popular belief, I believe that every single person on planet Earth Everybody put your hand on your heart. Every single person with their hand on their heart in this room is a leader. Every single person. The person checking out your groceries at Publix, right, to the CEO of Publix is a leader. The stay-at-home parent to the working parent. They are leaders. Are you with me? Hear this. The homeless person on the street to the general of the army are all leaders. And I know that that's contrary to maybe how we see it, but let me explain this a little bit more. Everyone is a leader, but not everyone will lead other people. Are you with me, church? Everyone is a leader, but not everyone will lead other people. See, everyone has to lead themselves. And when you lead yourself well, you then can lead other people. And you can't lead other people where you haven't been. How many of you have had dysfunctional managers at work, people that poorly lead themselves, and you can just sense it. They're attempting to lead you, yet they don't even know how to lead themselves. You know what I'm saying? This leadership statement is true throughout all the Bible. You can't lead others where you haven't been, especially with Jesus. He asks us to lay down his life, and he's willing to do that. So the problem is people are improperly leading themselves all the time. Just because of what? Culture says what the world is says. The Bible says don't conform to the ways of the world. But oftentimes we just kind of get in flow with what culture has told us. And the world tells us to lead whatever needs the most time and energy. 
So this is why people will become workaholics, if you will. They'll emphasize their work as the main thing that takes the most energy, and they will prioritize that over everything. So instead of working to live, they're living to work. Are you with me? This is the case in almost everything in our lives. We're improperly leading ourselves. Whatever needs the most time and energy is prioritized in our lives. But I really believe this, that this is where burnout takes place. We improperly steward our lives, which leads us to deficiencies. I need to read that again because I feel like we didn't really get it. This is where burnout takes place. We improperly steward our lives, which leads us to deficiencies. And I believe there's a beautiful progression of how to be a servant leader in our lives that we need to live out. I have this little example right here. I hope you can kind of see it. But I wanted to break this down and maybe show you a little bit of how I believe that we are meant to outlive this servant leadership and where it starts and where it flows from and how it impacts the world around us. Are you with me? So this center one, it's going to go up on the screen. This center one is self. The next one is your family. And I would just want to emphasize the fact that we're a family of believers as well. And so this is, you know, your family of friends. This is your immediate family. This is how you lead there. And then the next one is ministry. Are you with me? Do you see this little construct right here? Now, maybe some of you have gone, wait, we're kind of missing a couple things up there because I don't see my career or my job up there. But I want you to hear me today. Jesus never emphasized your career as the main thing. He emphasizes your career as providing for yourself, for your family, and providing for the gospel moving forward across the earth. Are you with me? Like we're not bringing our careers or our jobs with us to heaven. Are you with me? We're bringing ourselves, the family that we have around us that we steward properly, as well as we are bringing the people that we proclaimed the gospel to. Are you with me? So it's important to see that off the rip to know what's happening here. And I think what happens a lot of times is we will look at our lives and we'll prioritize whatever needs the most energy. So you'll have people that go, I'm going to give my life for the sake of the ministry, and they'll fill the ministry up, and yet their family is left empty and their self is left empty, and there's a gap that's taking place in how they lead. So they're pouring their life out for the ministry, yet their family feels the deficiency, and they're not willing to hang around anymore. Are you with me? Or the the other one as well is maybe you're pouring into yourself and you're giving your family just the scraps along the way and there's a gap in the midst of it. Maybe you're someone who's a family person and you're filling up the family solely and you're saying, I'm going to pour into my family, give it all for them, and I'm going to leave nothing left for me. Can I tell you that gap in yourself is where sin, temptation comes into play. You're leaving room for the enemy to come in and leave a gap in the midst of your life. We need to properly steward ourselves. So how do we properly steward ourselves? It starts with leading yourself. You can't lead others until you lead yourself, right? And Colossians 3, 23 says this, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Are you with me, church? So this isn't about anybody else. This is about us and God. And I put a list of of things up here. We have some spiritual disciplines and characteristics. Now, this isn't a limited list by any means, but this kind of shows you just a bit of a roadmap of what it looks like to properly lead yourself in the ways of the Lord. So as we outwork this, we begin to pour into our lives and we begin to fill ourselves up to the point of fullness in Christ, to the point where we're able to humbly love, able to humbly serve one another. And then the next stage in the midst of this 
is to lead our family and our friends. The next stage is to do that. And oftentimes, we'll stop when we're full and we say, now, okay, I need to move to the next ring, the next concentric circle of leadership, and I need to lead my family and friends. But can I tell you that I believe there is power in the oneness of you in the being of who you are? And we need to continue to be people. If you want to lead people well, you need to just continue to pour into yourself. And out of the overflow of the health of your life, you're going to impact your family. You're going to make a difference among your friends. You're going to have a greater testimony, right? You're going to have more generosity. You're going to have more humility. You're going to be able to love and serve better than ever before when you continue to lead yourself the way that God has called you to lead yourself. And 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially of their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So you can't skip the second ring. Are you with me? You can't move past it just because of uncomfort. You can't move past it just because of broken relationships, right? This is the priority chain. And then 1 Timothy 5.7, or sorry, 3.5 says this, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's Church, the priority right here is you lead yourself and then you lead your family. And here's a couple examples of a great way to lead your family. Obviously, sacrificial love, being present, prioritizing, putting in the work, communicating, leading. Are you with me, church? Again, this isn't limited. Hello. There's so much more. I mean, the Bible is full of of beautiful truths, of characteristics, of how we are to love our family and love the people around us. But these are just some of the things. And now what I think is beautiful is out of the overflow of leading yourself and out of the overflow of leading your family, you're now impacting the world. You're now impacting in ministry and what God has called us to do. Your calling is being filled up to a place where it impacts the world. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another, as for all, as we do for you. In Proverbs 27.23, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for generations. So I believe this is such a beautiful thing, and I don't know if I have enough water to make this happen. But it's beautiful as we are continuing to lead ourselves every single moment of every single day. It overflows into our family and there's health abounding. And what happens is is there's overflow from your life and you begin to impact the world around you. That's when reaching the world from a place of health. That's why I don't believe in burnout. I just believe in poor stewardship. If you're poorly stewarding your life and leaving gaps in any one of these containers... Of course you're going to experience burnout in your life. But I believe that when we prioritize it and do it in the way that God has led us to do so, you're not leaving gaps and you're filled up to overflowing every moment of every day. And you might be like, okay, we get it, Alex. What does this have to do with servant leadership? Everything. Everything to do with servant leadership. Because now we can lead people from an abundant, healthy, life-giving fullness in Christ And we're able to fully, truly lay down our lives in humility and in servant leadership. Amen? Servant leadership starts with you. Lead yourself. Then go to the next concentric circle. Lead your family. Lead lead your close circle of friends. Jesus, 
his close circle of friends was his disciples. He led them well. It was out of the overflow of who he was and his intimacy with the Father. He impacted his disciples, and it made a difference, and it impacted the world around him. The greatest among you. So let's jump back into the scripture because I want to come back to this. And remember I said this is a two-part sermon. And so I promise I'm going to leave you hanging a little bit this week. I'm not going to give you the big conclusion. And you leave like, I know what to do. You got to be back next week because I believe it's going to be very, very powerful. But I want to read Matthew 20, 24 again. And I want you to just understand a little bit of the backstory of what's happening. Uh, the mother of James and John approaches Jesus and says to Jesus, Jesus can my son sit on your right and on your left in heaven? And Jesus looks at her and replies, they're not going to be able to take the cup that I'm going to be able to take. They're, what he's saying is they're not going to be able to take, they're not going to be able to lay down their life in the way that I'm going to be able to lay down my life. And James and John overheard this conversation. You can just picture it. And you can see them just lunge forward and say to Jesus, no, we can take the cup. We're willing to lay down our lives like you're willing to lay down your life. And then Jesus responds and gives a little more context. He says, listen, it's not for me to assign who's going to be at my right or my left. That's what God the Father has already assigned, right? So he makes this statement, and I want you to kind of picture this. It's the 12 disciples are with him. The mother of James and John are there. And, and all of a sudden, the 12 disciples are, are hearing what's happening. So verse 24, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers, meaning they were frustrated. They were annoyed. How could you even ask that? Like, what are you guys doing? Why would you run forward and say that you could take the cup? Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. So he's reminding them of the way that culture works. He's saying this is how culture works. When someone's in authority over you, they're going to rule over you. They're going to lord it over you, right? They're going to they're rule with this scepter and say this is how it's going to be done. But then he says this statement that will rock them because in many ways in this culture, they would have conformed to the ways of the world and the culture that was there. And yet Jesus says this statement that flips it all around. He says, not so with you. Come on, I just want to believe today for people in this room today that we would capture this little phrase right here, not so with us. Come on, I think when the world tells us this is how we need to live, these are the things we need to prioritize, this is the way we need to lead people, can I tell you that this phrase is so important, shocking us out of our system, not so with us. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man, this is Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we see this powerful, backwards-thinking ideal come into play. He's telling them, Listen, if you truly do want to rule in great authority, you want to rule in power, you want to sit by my right and by my left, you need to serve people. The greatest among you is the one who serves. The one who has a heart of a servant. And Matthew 23, 11 through 12 says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
So from these two different scriptures, I see two key characteristics that Jesus spoke about that I think we need to emphasize as a church. I think it's important in times like this that we simplify and we say, what is Jesus trying to say to us? Now, I want you to know this, that this is not an all-encompassing list. Like I said before, this Bible is full of truths of Jesus, of the life he lived, of the things we can learn. And I believe there's so much more to servant leadership. That's why we're doing two weeks. It could be like 20 months of teachings, but we're going to do two weeks because I believe there's so much. But today I just want to emphasize these very two key characteristics that I see, and that is humility and love. Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I want you to hear me today. This scripture clearly states the power of humbling yourself, a characteristic we are to pursue and choose. It says we can make the choice to humble ourselves, and that's exactly what Jesus did. When he took the cross, when he came to the earth, he could have exalted himself every step of the way, come in like a God crashing through the clouds and say, here I am, Jesus, God. Yet he came as a baby, humble, the dirt of the earth. Are you with me, church? He came to serve. He humbled himself. Proverbs 25, 6 is a great example of this kind of humility, but it says, do not exalt yourself in the king's presence and do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for, you to, for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. And I want you to hear me say this today, church. Everyone will experience voluntary humility now or involuntary humbling in eternity. I'm going to let that settle in. Everyone will experience voluntary humility now or involuntary humbling in eternity. What choice are you going to make? Where are you going to serve from? How are you going to live? But I, I tell you what, James 4 gives us this beautiful promise. It says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Come on, voluntary humility. When we humble ourselves, we lay down our lives to serve other people. What does it say? He will lift us up. This isn't about claiming a spot on a throne. This isn't about our name being great. This isn't about ruling over people with authority. This is about humbling ourselves and allowing God to lift us up. We have to lean into the power of humbling ourselves to serve one another just like Jesus. This is the greatest among you. I believe the greatest opposer to humility is pride. Wouldn't you agree? The greatest opposer is pride. And it's really one of the greatest indicators as well of someone who isn't a servant leader. When you sense pride, you know that they aren't the greatest among you. It's just the reality. Why? Because that's culture. The further up the chain you get, the more title you get, the more your name gets made famous, the more glory you get, if you will. And yet the backwards thinking of the kingdom culture is this. The lower you go, the more humble you become. In Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, 
So we don't want to chase after the ways of the world, the constructs of the world, how they operate, chasing after pride, chasing after making our name great. We need to know that that leads us to destruction. I felt the call of God to be a youth pastor, which I had no training for, and I had never preached in my life. I had spent my whole life doing worship music, leading worship, and even in college, I had these amazing opportunities that I felt like was the pinnacle of opportunities in my life. I'm 20 years old, and all of a sudden, I come back to my parents' church, and I get put over a youth ministry of 35 students. Nothing more humbling than you being the, the air duct guy, killing weeds, and a small little ministry. Can I tell you, it was involuntary humbling. It wasn't me saying, God, I'm just, I want to lay down, I want to be humble right here. It was at 20 years old, me going, God, what are you doing in my life? Why? I didn't understand what it was to be a servant leader. I didn't understand it. I didn't know. And there was a beautiful progression that took place. And I remember the days when I would go pick up Manny from junior high, and we would go into Burger King when Coke Freestyle Machines first came out, and I would disciple one-on-one -on -one Manny George. I remember picking up students, and I remember the times when, when I would invest in these students and tell them about Jesus, and I remember the humbling. No one ever knew that was happening, but I was serving like Jesus would serve. I think this is what we're called to, and the thing is, is I could no longer just ride on talent. I could no longer just ride on my abilities. Those are false foundations of leadership. I had to ride on, how do I serve, seek, save the lost, just like Jesus? I was humbled in every single way possible. Since those humbling days, I've approached every single ministry I've, I've been a part of is not a, a set of numbers, but as one individual person over and over and over and over again. And I've seen God's hand of faithfulness and fruitfulness on my life to moments that I thought were dreams were going to die, yet he brought them back in beautiful, beautiful ways. Why? Because I, I was humbled, and he lifted me up. It wasn't from my own doing. It wasn't what I was doing. Because I tell you what, when you do it in your own strength, when you lift yourself up and you try to get up on the high mountain, it's, there's sinking sand underneath you. And when the storms come and the waves come, you will crash down. It's a false foundation. Philippians 2.4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourself not looking to your own interests but to each to each of you to the interests of others see the world needs us to come with the characteristic of humility and to serve just like Jesus did and let's let him lift us up amen, amen. the second characteristic is love <clears throat> and I know love can kind of seem like a cop-out as a pastor like yeah, love, we get it. Love is the answer for everything. We understand. But I really, truly believe that you cannot be a servant leader without truly understanding love. See, the disciples are talking about who's going to be the greatest. And yet Jesus' remark back to them in Matthew 20 is, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he says, to give his life for the ransom of many. So he's saying, hey, true servant leadership 
is sacrificial love. See, I believe that Jesus, when he came to serve and give his life for many, he gave us the greatest example of what servant leadership should be, and that is sacrifice. See, the love that Jesus gives us is not just affection. It's not just encouragement. Like, so often we're like, God, I need to be loved this certain way to feel the love. But I tell you what, no, Jesus loved you the true way, which was fully laying down his life for you. And in John 4, 7 through 12, it says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So when we love one another as Christ has told us to love, his love is made complete in us. We see God and his love is made complete. Are you still with me, church? This is how we're to lead like Jesus, servant leadership. I'll invite the band up. You know, I really believe... Loving when you don't feel it is one of the hardest things that we can overcome in our humanity. Jesus even asked God three times to take the cup from him. The son of God even said, man, even I'm not feeling it right now, God. Would you take this thing from me? Yet what was his response? Not my will, but your will be done. It's something we have to overcome. And we have to submit to. I've told this story before, but when we first had Emerson, our first son, seven and a half years ago, uh, he came into the world, a beautiful little boy, pudgy cheeks. And it's so interesting because most parents are like, love at first sight, it's beautiful. Like, we're going to just go like prance in the park with our babies and take Instagram, you know, like whatever. Just, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Everybody's going to love being a parent, and can I tell you, I couldn't figure out for the first part of my son's life how to love him. I know that sounds so crazy, like, hey, no, no, you're a pastor. You should have had this on lock, you know what I mean? But I literally could not figure out how to love my son. Why? Because I had never had to love something selflessly like that before. Every other thing in my life, I had, I had gotten a return for my love. When I would love Brianna, there was love in return. When I would love my parents, there was love in return. When I would lead in my youth ministry, when I would have friendships, there was always love in return. And it was the first time where I'm loving this child, changing diapers, it's screaming in my face, right? Staying up all night, providing for this little ball of goo, and having to love with nothing reciprocated. I learned what it meant to sacrificially love. I think that so often we're like looking at love like this, like I'm only going to love that person until, you know, until they don't give it, don't reciprocate the love and then I'm going to be done. You know, I was living in this place with Emerson for so long and Brianna stopped me a couple months after and she goes, sits me down at the table, she goes, Alex, the only person that needs to change in this equation is you. She said, you're just going to have to change because nothing else will change. And in that moment, it was a snap. It just changed my mindset. I realized no matter if he ever reciprocated the love, I'm going to lay down my life for this little boy. I don't care if no one ever sees the late nights or what's happening, cleaning up vomit, him vomiting on my face. I'm going to love him. 
I believe this is what Jesus did for us. People spit in his face, mocked him, scorned him, and he was willing to say no matter what. You know what's beautiful about the story is <clears throat> a couple months later, I remember I was changing a diaper and I saw a little smile from Emerson and I was like, that wasn't just a gas smile, you know what I mean? Like that was a real smile. And I began to hold my son and he began to show affection to me. And it was one of the most beautiful things because it wasn't affection coming from a place of I needed that to feel loved. It was from a place of sacrificial love of laying my life down for this boy. And it was so much greater than any love I would have felt if it was filling my cup. Are you with me, church? You might say, I don't know how I could love like that. I don't know how I could love like Jesus loved. I don't know how I could sacrificially love with nothing in return. I believe the words of A.W. Tozer are so true for this especially. He says, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. See, God will give you everything you need to love the way that God has called you to love. We just got to ask it. Man, if you got bitterness, hurt, anger towards somebody, you'd rather just rule over them, right? You just got to ask God, give me a heart like yours. Help me to love like you would love. Help me to serve like you would serve. Even if I get nothing in return, God, I want to be your hands and feet and love everyone always. Philippians 3, 10 says, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings and become like him in his death. And so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained this, or I've arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold for me. This is how we are to truly love and be the greatest among, is to lay down our lives. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. Come on, we gotta be servant leaders, amen? Come on, would you stand to your feet? So who's the greatest among you? The one who serves others humbly and with love this isn't about us this is about being like Jesus and loving others we got to lead ourselves you want to be a good servant leader you got to lead yourself you got to let that overflow and lead your family and then you got to lead in ministry and you got to love people and I believe the overflow is going to change the very face of the earth and the key things that we hold on to is we stay humble, and we love people. Come on, I believe it'll change the world. I believe it'll make the biggest difference when we act like Jesus. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes? We'd love to give a moment for response for anybody that heard the gospel message today of what Jesus has done and who he is to you. And maybe you go, man, I, I wouldn't say that I even believe in Jesus. Like, all this is so new to me. If that's you, we just want to give you a moment. I'm going to count to three and you're just going to raise your hand, just kind of signaling that, yeah, today I just enter into this belief that Jesus is here and Jesus did die for me. There's also, this call goes out to people who maybe have been drifting and walking away from the Lord and you'd say, man, today I just want to get my life back on track. One, I want you to know that God loves you so much 
He sent his one and only son so that you could know life and life in abundance. He humbly came and laid down his life in sacrificial love for you. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Come on, you don't need to wait any longer. You don't need to have all the answers. Just step into believing. This is the first step. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? You want to give your life to Jesus. Come on, you want to return back to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you all look back at me? I didn't see any hands today, but if there was any stirring in your heart, we're here. We want to talk with you. We want to help you along the journey. Even if you feel like, man, I might not be at the place of drifting, but I want to get my life you know, back on track and living for the Lord. And I want to be a servant leader. You can come and talk to any of our core team after this. But I just want to pray a simple prayer, a benediction, if you will, over every person. And uh, I believe that we're all called to be servant leaders. I believe there's power in servant leadership, right? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. There's power when we love people like Jesus called us to love people. So would you just raise your hands all across this room? Come on, this is an act of surrender. And I just want to pray a blessing over each and every one of you. And we're going to sing this song one more time. Lord, right now, you see every hand lifted in this place. You see their desire to be servant leaders. And I just pray right now that you would help each and every one of us to lead ourselves well. Wake up every single day with intentionality to say, I'm going to lead myself in the best way that I know how. I want to be a child of God in every single way. Lord, I pray you'll help us to lead our family and our friends around us. Out of the overflow of the health of our lives, may we impact our sphere of influence right around us. And I pray, God, it would enable us to change the world. Lord, help us to be ministers of the gospel, proclaiming your name across the entire world. And Lord, I pray you'll help every person under the sound of my voice to step into new levels of humility and sacrifice. God, I pray that we will love like you've called us to love, that we will lay down our lives daily, surrendered to you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's sing out some praise to God, for he is worthy of it. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.